We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Baby, doll happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome to the first Roto World DFS Pick Six of the Year. Of course, presented by Roto Grinders. I'm Eric Crane. I'm joined for the third season in a row. First of all, we got Mr. Rich Rebar. Reeves, what's up, buddy? Oh man, I miss your guys' beautiful faces. Yeah, listen, year three they brought us back again. Pour one out for the guys in front of us, the football guys show that uh, is no longer uh, leading into this one. You know. Uh, Dan and John and Austin, they were great. So, I mean, uh, we missed those guys leaving in. But, you no, know, they kept us around. So, you know, the lights <laughs> are on still. Hey, we still got the lights on, and we still got the beautiful face of Evan Silva joining us also. Evan, how we doing? It's good to be back, man. I'm, I'm excited to talk about some real football, some non-preseason football. I do love the preseason, but the, this is the real stuff now. This is when it really gets hard, you know, and – um, but you know, we, we have all, we've had great success on this show. Um, I feel like a lot of times, you know, the picks that we come up with on this show, um, sometimes I'll end up talking myself out of them by the end of the week and I'll think back and think about what we talked about on Wednesday. And I'm like, why did I not stick with that? You know, that happened multiple times last year, but, um, I think people get a lot out of it. People seem to love the show and uh, I love doing it. Yeah, for sure. I think our show is kind of, you know, it's early enough in the week where we've kind of become a little trendsetter show, which is uh, which is definitely not something I expected to be involved in. So I'm really happy to be here with you guys. All right. Before we get into the games, I want to tell you guys what's going on. Um, guess what? Just in time for the NFL season, Roto-Grinders, we are proud to announce the launch of SharpSide.com and the SharpSide app. The app's not quite out yet, but it's going to be coming out very, very soon. What is it? It's a new sports betting community and a mobile app. Not only does it allow you to make free picks for all sports and get top-notch betting advice, but you can also win incredible prizes with the SharpSide weekly contest. For week one in the NFL, the user with the most betting units won across all available NFL bets, you're going to win 500 bucks depositing your FanDuel account. That's right. Not not bad, guys. Make free picks, win 500 bucks. That's always fun. Plus, second place, you're going to get a year-long Roto-Grinders NFL premium subscription. All you have to do is download the app. And, of course, you can check it out on SharpSide.com also. It's available now on iOS, or it's available soon on iOS. Make your picks before the weekly deadline. That's the SharpSide sports betting app available now online the app's going to be available soon make sure you check it out visit sharpside.com for more information a lot of fun i love evan are you excited about just this whole sports betting landscape changing yeah absolutely i mean i've spent the last couple years trying to learn about sports betting um and i still have a lot more to learn um but i think that you know the spending the last couple years has put me in a better on it has put me in a better position to really kind of have a have an idea of what i'm doing um, and to learn about odds and to learn about, you know, sides and movement throughout the week and, you know, why do the lines move and all that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that that's going to add a whole new dimension to everything that we're doing. Most, you know, most states didn't seem like they were super quick to move on it. Um, and it might not become a really big deal, I don't think, until 2019. That's my sense. Um, I definitely don't pretend to be an expert on, you know, on everything here. Um, but, uh, it's definitely something that we're going to be talking about more and more every year. And, uh, certainly more year, more this year than the last two years. 
Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into the games. We've got three games we're going to talk about. For those of you who don't know how this show works, we've got three games and three topics. And our first game, it's Cincinnati at Indianapolis. And Reeves, when I first looked at this slate, you know, what seems like a million months ago, I said, hey, here's the sneaky game. Nobody likes to play Colts, guys. Nobody likes to play Bengals, guys. And here I am sitting here on Wednesday morning. And I get an email. Hey, what game are we talking about? Oh, it's the game that I thought was sneaky. Whoops. Reeves. <laughs> Indianapolis is two-and-a-half-point favorites, the third highest total on this slate at 48. What do we think about this game? Because there's a lot of fantasy goodness to go around here. Yeah, this is a very interesting game. I mean, when I was writing this game up and kind of pulling everything up, I, you know, I kind of double-taked because, you know, the, the football analyst in me is, you know, basically thinking that this is a, a melt job for the Bengals. And I know that, that they only beat them by one, the Colts that is, in Cincinnati a year ago. But, I mean, you just look at this, this Colts roster, how they've turned it over. And defensively, man, I mean, this defensive roster, especially in the secondary, you look at their top four corners and their two safeties. I mean, they've only got two players out of those six that have more than one year experience. The most starts a player has out of that group is 13 from Pierre Desir. And he's had those 13 starts over five years for three different teams. Um, it's really hard for me to, to see how this team is going to stop uh, the, the, this Bengals passing game, which looked hot in the preseason, by the way. The Bengals first team unit was good all three weeks that they played. And, you know, they, they super shredded the Bills, you know, in Buffalo that, that last week we got to see them play. I just expect the, the Colts to play a lot of shell coverage in this one. They're going to switch to that Tampa 2 style. Um, they're just going to – last year they were a team that played a lot of man and got beat, gave a lot of splash plays. 20% of the completions they allowed last year for 20 or more yards was the highest rate in the league. This year I think they're going to trade that. I think they're going to protect against the big play and just let teams kind of bleed them out, you know, with efficient targets. You know, a lot of – a lot of peppering Sam Bradford style, you know, type, type of guys. Like, you know, a lot, a lot of 70% completion games on the Colts this year, I think. And it's going to be interesting. I mean, obviously that suits a guy like AJ Green really well because uh, he's a guy who's a nuanced receiver. I mean, he's a guy that, that, that's going to get those dig routes, those slants, also, and also get the vertical targets. Um, I also think that Andy Dalton is obviously in a crush spot. I mean, I'm going to need you guys to talk me out of Andy Dalton as my cash game QB this, this week. Uh, to start the year I'm gonna need it he's QB3 in this matchup a year ago it just looks so prime uh no pass rush no no coverage on the in the back end uh, we'll talk about some more individual players but I want to eat up all the shot clock to start it off well I mean Evan talk to me about Andy Dalton because he's somebody who I look at and you, you never really want to click the button you know the clicking the Andy but- Dalton button is never a fun thing to do you feel bad about it you feel a little dirty it's just not it's not an enjoyable experience but here we are because he's somebody in this matchup that Everything points to him having success. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, we're, we're catching him indoors. We're catching him against a defense that cut its best pass rusher in the pre, uh, after the preseason, John Simon. Um, that was surprising. Like, all the Colts beat writers were even very surprised by that. They're just going to run out a bunch of young young guys. Uh, Kimoko uh, Toure. Um, Terrell Basham, they claimed Al-Qadin Muhammad off waivers. You know, None these of these are, are real guys. <laughs> yeah, these, these are not are real either. people. They do have Jabal Sheard, uh, who's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, I think that the, the Bengals' offensive line, first of all, is going to be much more competent uh, following the additions of Cordy Glenn at left tackle and um, the new center who they drafted uh, in the first round, Billy Price out of Ohio State. Um you know, the offensive line is going to be competent, but it's going to look actually good against this Colts defensive front. Um, the Colts also have two linebackers, two starting linebackers on the injury report. They're starting middle linebacker, Anthony Walker, and uh, they're starting uh, weak side linebacker, uh, Darius Leonard, a rookie out of a small school. Um, you know, I, I think that there are kind of indications that the Colts are really not trying to win, not necessarily that they're trying to tank, but they're not setting themselves up to, uh, you know, like maximize their win total this year. And they're taking a longer view and we can we should be able to capitalize on that all season long. You know, we saw that with the 49ers a couple of years ago uh, with Chip Kelly. We saw it with the Browns the last two years. Um, and uh, I think that all season long we should be attacking this Colts defense. Yeah, I mean, this Colts defense, it's just, it's just really bad. You know, we already kind of talked about the passing game. Reeves, Indianapolis, the run defense was, I mean, I don't think it was as bad as other people thought it was. What do we think about Joe Mixon this week, Reeves? 
I like I like Mixon. I like that they showed in the in the preseason that they were willing to use some versatility. He was a good he was a good pass catcher at Oklahoma, and you saw him line up and catch multiple passes at wide receiver already in the preseason. So if they're going to do some of that and get a mismatch from those linebackers that Evan mentioned that aren't real people, then it's, then he's going to you know have a pretty successful day. I think um, it's tough because the running back landscape is so jammed this week. I think that he's going to be a guy that really only makes you know, makes tourneys and stacks for me. It's just so hard to – he's not going to be a jamming man cash guy for sure. Um, yeah, and I I mean, just a, to touch on the pass game too, uh, I think my early hot take, I told Devin this earlier, is a lot of people are going to be playing John Ross this week. Uh, but I think that uh, definitely in a site like DraftKings, I think the tourney guy you want to play with the deep shot guy is actually Tyler Boyd. I think Tyler Boyd outscores him in PPR. I think he gets more targets. Uh, like I said, I laid out how I think this defense is going to play out for the Colts and the types of targets that Andy Dalton's going to have. And I think that Tyler Boyd's going to be a guy that could have like a, a a seven to eight catch game, you know, a sixty to seventy yards, and have a shot at a touch, uh, have a shot at a touchdown in this one. So on the other side, we've got Indianapolis, who obviously Andrew Luck, um, he's going to come back. He's actually going to throw a football. He's going to play a real live NFL regular season game. Evan, what can we expect from Andrew Luck in this matchup? So there are a lot of concerns here for Andrew Luck, okay? First of all, he's coming off a throwing shoulder in the prime of his career, a throwing shoulder injury in the prime of his career that knocked him out for an entire season, okay? We don't really see that happen very often. We have seen guys bounce back from shoulder injuries at the quarterback position. Cam Newton uh, had what was alleged to be the same shoulder injury that Andrew Luck did. He bounced back immediately. Okay, Drew Brees had a severe shoulder injury. He bounced back. He didn't miss a whole lot of time. Okay, Andrew Luck missed an entire season. Um, He suffered a foot injury late in training camp. He's going to play. It's not threatening his availability, uh, but that's another thing to note. Uh, Anthony Costanzo, the Colts left tackle, he missed all of training camp uh, and all the offseason. This hamstring injury has been hampering him since minicamp and OTAs. He did practice on a limited basis on Wednesday, but he's a guy that I think that Carl Lawson, an up-and-coming pass rusher for the Bengals, who they stole in uh, the, the, uh, the third or fourth round last year, uh, and he's going to play a ton of snaps at right defensive end, squaring off with left tackles. Carl Lawson should be able to eat Anthony Costanzo up, whether he is out there uh, at a, less than 100% or whether he is you – know, he, he, he might not play. I mean, if he has a, if he has a setback, he might not play. And then the Colts would uh, go with LaRaven Clark, who just got pulverized in uh, five starts last season. Um, you got Geno Atkins on the outside. You have Carlos Dunlap on the other side going up against Joe Haig, who has mostly played guard in his career. Um, the the, uh, the Bengals return uh, pretty much every key pass rush component and uh, definitely every uh, top cornerback uh, component of a defense that last year um, allowed the NFL's eighth fewest touchdown passes uh, and ranked top 11 in both sacks and quarterback hits. Okay, so this is a really good defensive front facing off with an offensive line that was kind of pieced together uh, this offseason and has not come together, has no sense of continuity. Uh, And in a week one game like this, you know, we always emerge from the last several seasons. We've emerged from these early season games being like, what is wrong with the offensive lines in the NFL? You know, um, and we're going to emerge from week one thinking the exact same thing. And the Colts are going to be at the top of the at the top of the list. I think that the Bengals defense is squarely in play. Andrew Luck attempted a 41 preseason passes. That's not very many. Two of them traveled 20 plus yards downfield. Uh, Pat Thorman has highlighted how uh, his A dot was 5.7 yards. He's never had an NFL season with an A dot of lower than 8.4 yards. So they are going to try to dink and dunk this defense. Um, that's going to be their plan. But Andrew Luck's a playmaker, man, and he's going to be out there trying to make plays. And that's when Carl Lawson and Carl and uh, Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins are going to really get after him. Well, one of the guys he's going to be making plays to is T.Y. Hilton. And Reeves, everything I've heard early in the season or early in this week, it's, it sounds like T.Y. Hilton's going to be pretty chalky this week. 
Really? That's interesting. Cause he's not going to be chalky on my teams. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people are going to be having some Pepto-Bismol for that chalk, man. We, and we love T.Y. on this show too. Like, we are I do, man. I mean, the Bengals just aren't a team, like a long running team where you just don't target lead wide receivers against. And it's kind of rolled over in the last years. They've had William Jackson kind of transition over to lead that secondary. I mean, uh, they were fifth in points allowed the wide receivers like, again a year ago. Uh, just in wide receiver one production definitely takes a hit against them. He's just not a guy I'm looking at too. If I'm going to look to play someone in this pass game, um, especially for the cost, it's going to be Jack Doyle. Um, even with Eric Ebron joining, I mean, Doyle's still a guy that's going to be in that, that Dennis Pitta. And he's like the new Dennis Pitta for, you know, for, for a guy like Andrew Luck, like Evan said, he's going to be peppering those passes that are five to eight yards downfield. And who's only, there's only one guy that can really run that far. That's Jack Doyle. Um, he led all tight ends to snap rate last year. He was fourth in routes run per game. I think that that's not going to change. We saw it in the preseason. He still dominated snaps. They're a team that's going to play two tight ends anyways. Doyle's going to be out there. Uh, he had a monster game against the Bengals a year ago with Jacoby Brissett, and the Bengals still have a, a linebacking core that we still want to target in the passing game. Um, you know, Preston Brown, Jordan Evans, uh, Nick Vigil, those those are all guys we're going to look at. We're going to look at the, the constant theme for the Bengals here is they're going to play well against wide receivers and their linebacks are still going to be a team we target about backs out of the backfield and, you know, tight ends. They were a team that was 29th in receiving points allowed to backs out of the backfield last year. There's probably some that rolls over. The problem is we don't have a really a back we can target here. I know some people are into Jordan Wilkins giving his cost. Um, it's just too many running backs on the board for me to really wedge an argument in for him. And I still think that given luck and the protection issues they're going to have, they're actually going to play Kristen Michael in this game because he's the only guy that knows assignments, you know, passes, pass assignments. As it has that kind of experience in the league, when you give their backfield. I, oh, here we are, I man. Thought, I thought Christian Michael like never learned anything. Wasn't that always the big knock on him was that he couldn't figure out the playbook? Well, it's default. It, it's it's all it's. <laughs> you still gotta know more than Jonathan Wilkins. Is that what you're saying? It's, it's all relative to what they've got here. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, I think no, I that's mean, what I, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely <laughs> see what you're saying. You know, you mentioned Eric Ebron coming into Indianapolis and. Evan, I'm personally like, everybody's going to be playing Jack Doyle. Everybody sits here and they, oh, it's the best, it's great price, best matchup. I'm a little concerned about Ebron. Am I overthinking this one, Evan? Um, I think that it's a fair concern, but I think I'm not confident that Eric Ebron is going to play a, a ton of snaps in this game. Okay. Um, right. Based on his preseason usage, um, you know, I, I, I don't think that there is a strong indication that he's going to be out there a lot. I mean, I do think that he's going to be out there, um, you know, in, pa- in passing situations just because they need him. I mean, their their receivers are, are garbage. I mean, you know, they're, they're running out Chester Rogers at slot receiver and Ryan Grant as their number two receiver. They're going to need Ebron to some extent, but um, Doyle's going to be out there in the entire game. Uh, so I'm not terribly concerned about that. Yeah, and I, I mean, there will be passes that are funneled to the middle. Again, these outside receivers for the Bengals, they're really good. I have found this fun nugget on uh, William Jackson. You know, started off a little bit slow, but since week five, you know the most yards he gave up in coverage last year after week five? It was nine. Nine whole yards was the most he gave up in coverage on a week-by-week basis. So, yeah, I have, I'm not messing with these outside Bengals or Colts receivers. If T.Y. lines been the slot – Maybe, but uh, by and large, just not something I'm all that interested in. All right, let's move on to our next game. It's one of the marquee matchups of the week. It's Houston at New England, 51-point total. New England's six-and-a-half-point favorites. And, uh, Reeves, we got the return of Deshaun Watson. You pumped, buddy. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, this is probably – when you look at this, the, the layout for games where you can say which games can be highest scoring, it's obviously this one. Uh, for back and forth play and it was in this matchup a year ago you know that's still fresh in our minds remember this was Watson's second start after that Thursday night game when he really didn't do anything but run for that long touchdown against the Bengals and everyone kind of was way off of him we said you know he's going rookie quarterback going to New England Bill Belichick's gonna gonna eat him up and not have no shot and that was kind of the beginning of Watson's you know unfatable you know ascendance you know he torched every matchup basically from that point on some of it you know like the Chiefs game was was a little bit you know game game script induced but you know he's we don't care about that in our land it's all all those points still counter for Deshaun Watson the fun thing about Watson for fantasy purposes is that one you can take on a couple a couple mistakes that he's going to make like he did in this game a year ago, but he's a guy that's just going to keep pushing the ball downfield, which is what we love in fantasy. I mean, we're, we think a guy like we're going to talk about a little bit, Patrick Mahomes is going to be in a similar fashion, but Watson also uses his legs a lot too. I mean, you look at last year, I mean, he, 26% of his throws 
were on passes 15 yards or further downfield. That was by far the highest rate in the league. And when you have um, a lid popper like Will Fuller, a guy that wins consistently in in contested catch situations like DeAndre Hopkins, arguably the best boundary receiver in the game, I mean, you just give those those players those kind of opportunities. Even even if you run into three or four negative plays in a row, that splash play that hits is going to be extremely tangible for fantasy. And that's the kind of player Watson was. I think he's going to be that type of player again. I mean, obviously, there'll be just natural regression from the type of touchdown rate efficiency he had but when you have a kind of vertical passer like that um the the, the numbers are going to find their way and this is a team that doesn't have a good offensive line they're not going to be able to establish the run a whole lot maybe in the games where they're um ahead and game scripts we talked about warren sharp has them with the easiest schedule in the league there'll be games where they can grind volume to stack you know production there but i mean this is going to be a pass first team fully through and through i believe yeah, you know, so Evan, I mean, we've got a guy in Deshaun Watson. First of all, have you started getting Deshaun Watson tweets yet? No, no, not not yet. All right, well, I mean, you know we're only about three days from that happening, right? You know, like, I, I feel like people on Twitter have Evan just, like, they have notes sitting around their office. As soon as, every time Deshaun Watson throws a touchdown, tweet at Evan Silva. It, I mean, it happens every single time. But Evan, when you look at this Houston passing attack, obviously a lot of weapons, DeAndre Hopkins, Deshaun Watson, Will Fuller, a lot of weapons out there against New England team where you know Houston's going to be airing it out in this matchup. Yeah, I mean, Deshaun Watson hit up, hit the, this Patriots defense up for 301 passing yards, two touchdowns, 41 rushing yards last year in Foxborough. Um, and he did not have Will Fuller in that game. I mean, he was, he was leaning heavily in that game on Ryan Griffin and Bruce Ellington. Uh, Will Fuller was still out with a collarbone injury. Um, and as Reeves mentioned, Will Fuller is like the ideal receiver complement to a quarterback that is going to be highly aggressive throwing the football downfield as Deshaun Watson was last year, the most aggressive passer uh, in the NFL in terms of 20 plus yard attempts. Um, and Will, the concern with Will Fuller is the hamstring injury, but he has been practicing fully. That's still always a concern for a speed receiver. Um, you know, I anticipate a, a high-scoring game. I think that the Patriots side is really interesting, too. If you go back and look at how they played last year against this defense, um, they could not run the ball at all. They had one rushing first down. Uh, they had 16 first downs via the pass. J.J. Uh, Watt is back. Whitney Merciless is back. Um, Jadeveon Clowney is 100%. Um, you know, Watt and Merciless combined to miss 22 games last year. Um, and I think that Tom Brady can, you know, the, these outside corners in particular uh, for the, the Texans are, are real bad. I mean, Jonathan Joseph is old, you know, he's like 35 and the other guy, Kevin Johnson, um, he, first of all, he keeps getting hurt. Second of all, uh, he was the number 121 uh, cornerback out of 121 in pass coverage in pro football focuses grades last year. And then that's not good. And then an inside linebacker, Bernardrick McKinney, allowed an 83% completion rate when targeted. You know, I think that James White is pretty interesting here. I know that a lot of people are going to be on Burkhead, and look, I love Rex Burkhead, but, man, he missed a lot of training camp. I think that James White comes out. He's the Patriots' lead back. Um, you know, I think that he is an interesting play in the same lineups as Tom Brady. I'm certainly going to be using uh, James White in PPR, like, season-long leagues, and I think that he does make sense. Uh, as a tournament play in the same in Brady lineups, uh, you know, pairing them together. Yeah. And it's a little bit weird that everybody's on team Burke and nobody's really talking about James White all that much. I don't really understand it, but I mean, I'll, I'm fine. I'd rather take the lower ownership on White, anyways in the spot where he's going to catch the balls and he's going to get some rushing attempts. You know, speaking of rushing attempts on the Houston side, Reeves, I know there are underdogs, but Lamar Miller, I mean, he hasn't disciplined us yet this year. Can we play him? <laughs> I mean, as a, as a road dog, it's always dicey. I mean, he did play a lot more tangible snaps when Watson played. He was at 77% of the team snaps, um, just under 20 touches per game in those weeks. He had a couple real big ceiling games, a couple top five weeks with Watson as well, because uh, just because they just generated more touchdowns, he had, and he scored touchdowns those weeks. He still wasn't a guy putting up oodles of yardage, but, I mean, you know what you're getting. The touches are going to be there. 
a handful of receptions. I mean, like I said, like I said in the top of the show, though, it's with all the running back plays on the board. I mean, he's just someone that I never find myself clicking on so far at the beginning of this week. Uh, maybe you guys changed my mind in that one, but I mean, I'm more looking at the road dog passing passing game for Houston in this one. Um, you know, but Watson's probably the safest play there. I think it's interesting too because you know the old corollary. Uh, Bill Belichick takes away the team's best opposing best weapon. And that has been true with Houston as well. If you look at DeAndre Hopkins, the five times they've played the New England Patriots, he's never gone over 77 yards receiving in a game. Um, he's never caught a touchdown. He has did no touchdowns in any of those games against the Patriots. Uh, so, I mean, it could be a game where it's Will Fuller deep shots and they use a guy like Bruce Ellington again, you know, or, you know, maybe they incorporate their their veteran rookie tight end, you know, tight end two, uh, Jordan Akins, you know, in, in passing situations in the, in the red zone. I mean, obviously you're not going to play a guy like that, but I mean, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a situation where he's Watson's going to have to use his legs and he's going to have to use those ancillary targets like once again in this matchup. What about you, Evan? Are you interested in all Lamar Miller? I want somebody to tell me to play Lamar Miller if you can't tell. Uh, I mean, I think that his preseason usage was promising, but, you know, I'm, I, I can't get myself excited about him. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, the offensive line is so bad. This is legit the worst offensive line in the NFL. Okay. Um, the, the Texans have the worst offensive line and the Patriots are better up front this year. I mean, they went out, they acquired Danny Shelton. He's a big time run stopper in the middle. He's going to be just a strictly a role player, but he's really good in that role. Um, they signed Adrian Claiborne and they get back Dante Hightower. They're going to be stronger up front this year. You know, I would like it. I would like Lamar Miller better if I thought that he had a chance at like, you know, seven targets, but we have never seen the Texans use him that way. And he plays in the same backfield as a quarterback that is a dual threat and is more likely, you know, if, if someone's not open to run the ball himself, as opposed to dump it down, to Lamar Miller. Um, so I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe I'm missing the boat here on Lamar Miller. I do think he's going to play a lot of snaps, um, but I, I, I don't feel great about him. Yeah. I just think that from a sheer volume standpoint, and he does have that explosive running style. Like he, if he breaks a couple runs, like he's definitely getting there for his cheap price tag. All right. Last game we're going to talk about is Kansas City at the Chargers. Total of 48. You, you don't want any part of that that passing, the New England passing game? Evan oh, wait, wanna, I almost – Wait, I, I, I want to know Hogan, no Hogan takes? Evan touched on it when we were talking about how bad the Houston corners were. I just kind of – I forgot we didn't really go into it. Yeah, Chris Hogan, that's a thing this week, right, Reeves? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I want to hear Evan's take on uh, Hogan because, you know, obviously he's a guy that he's pumped up. You know, what's funny is that this matchup kind of is manifested and lays out. Uh, like, it kind of feels like Edelman being out actually hurts Hogan this game. Yeah, although we know he's still going to be a red zone factor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what do you think, Evan? Yeah, there is some reason to think that. I agree. I still think that he's going to get – you know, you kind of want to keep him away from Aaron Colvin, uh, who Mm -hmm. the the Texans signed away from the Jaguars. Um, But, you know, Chris Hogan played uh, 58% of his routes outside. He ran 58% of his routes outside last year, and he was over 50% in the preseason. So I think he's probably going to be around half and half. Um, and I, I want to get him matched up against Kevin Johnson and Jonathan Joseph. I mean, I think those are matchups that he can win. He had four for 68 and two touchdowns in these teams meeting uh, last year. And he is, you know, clearly atop the depth chart in New England. He should have a really secure target share. He has 19 targets inside the 10 over the last two seasons. Rob Gronkowski only has 13. Um, and now, you know, Gronkowski has missed time, but Chris Hogan has missed time too. Um, so I, I love Chris Hogan. Um, and obviously I love Gronk. I mean, he had 10 targets in this matchup last, last year. Uh, I think he can get to like 15 in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, he was hyper efficient, uh, in, in this game last year, eight for 89 and a touchdown. Um, he has just colossal upside. I mean, I'm going to really struggle, especially on FanDuel, to keep him out of my cash games. I mean, I'm going to really try to jam him in. Yeah, I think yeah, a lot of definitely... people. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go for it. Well, I was going to say, I think a lot of people on DK aren't necessarily on a plan because they're going to be paying down. We've already talked about Jack Boyle a little bit. There's another cheap tight end I like somewhat. There are a lot of, not a lot, but there are some other cheap tight end options that people are going to go to. On DK, I don't think Gronk is going to be all that popular, Reeves. That's interesting, yeah, because I'm with Evan. I think this is this is kind of a you just want to jam him in situation. And there's the running back plays, the running back values have opened up to where you can. 
Um, he's not he's not hard to jam in. I think he's 79 and 69 on both sites, respectively. And the targets are going to be there. I mean, you talk about there's no vertical presence on this roster outside of Hogan when he's on his 50% of his routes on the outside. I know that there's been a little inklings about, you know, Philip Dorsett kind of getting his head on right. But, I mean, it's, he's not a guy we have faith in, you know, out, out of the gates. It's going to be, you know, Rob Gronkowski and Chris Hogan show to start the year and then James White out of the backfield. Uh, because we don't know how they're going to use Cordell Patterson. We don't know how they're going to fill up their set. These guys are all unknown commodities where we have a guy like Tom, Tom Brady knows what he's getting out of those three main targets that we talked about. I mean, to be fair, I think Philip Dorsett and Cordero Patterson are known commodities. They just stink. Like we, <laughs> we know known bad, known bad yeah. commodities. Yeah, like I, I've tried to make those two guys work, you know, every now and then for the last few years, and it just hasn't happened to me. Evan, are you interested in any of those secondary pieces for New England? I mean, I get it with Philip Dorsett. He did look pretty good in the preseason. You know, there was a like a big um, fourth down play where uh, Brady went to him uh, in I think it was a second preseason game. Tom Brady played a lot in the uh, in that second preseason game, and Philip Dorsett had four targets. I believe he caught all four, and he had that big fourth down conversion. He ran eighty-seven percent of his preseason routes outside, and again. You know, that's where you want to attack, I think, this Texans defense in particular. So there is reason for it, um, and I think it makes sense. I'm not – I'm personally not going to play him, but I totally get it. And, uh, look, if you're, you're playing 150 lineups, you know, I think it does make sense to sprinkle them in. Yeah, I'm playing 150 lineups, and I'm not sprinkling them in. All right, let's okay. talk Kansas City at the <laughs> Total of 48, the Chargers three-and-a-half-point favorites. And – Evan, I'm just going to go to you first because this Kansas City secondary might be one of the worst we've seen in years. Evan? It's so bad. And, it's, you know, the, yeah. the, the number one concern really is, well, there's a concern at every position. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. talent. Literally, That's the number one concern. Right. So they're going to be starting three slot corners, okay? Kendall Fuller, mm-hmm. Steven Nelson, and Orlando Skandrick, Okay. And they're going up against the biggest pass catcher core in the NFL. Uh, Keenan Allen, who's 6'2", looks like a shrimp uh, in, in this receiver core. You know, you got Antonio Gates, who's, what, 6'6". Tyrell, the gazelle, you know, he's 6'4", going on 6'5". Mike Williams is 6'3", going on 6'4". Um, you know, Travis Benjamin is the, the smurf. Uh, but, I mean, this is a really big, this is a really big pass catcher core. Uh, you know, squaring off with slot corners. And then Eric Berry, who missed all of last season, or I guess all but week one, mm-hmm. with the torn Achilles, has been dealing with a heel injury for the entirety of training camp, did not practice on Wednesday. You know, maybe he'll be out there, but maybe he won't be 100%. You know, these, these Achilles injuries are terrifying. Um, and it's very possible that he just won't be the same player. Um, Phil, now, Philip Rivers has had – He's really struggled against the Chiefs uh, consistently for an extended period of time. But I think that with the state of the Chiefs defense right now, um, I'm not going to put too much stock into that. Uh, I think that Melvin Gordon is a top five running back play. Um, I'm not afraid of using Phillip Rivers, you know, in the slightest. Keenan Allen should be able to eat in this game. I mean, I think that he's going to play like 50% inside and 50% outside. Um, the, the toughest matchup will be Kendall Fuller in the slot. Um, I think that Antonio Gates will probably be limited, you know, where we're not really looking to use him until we see him at, at full speed. Um, I think that Tyrell is kind of an interesting GPP play, but even he missed, you know, the last two weeks of training camp. I think you could play Phillip Rivers and Melvin Gordon together, though, um, and that, that might be the optimal configuration uh, to use against this this Chiefs defense that's going to be giving up hor- – like. They're going to be hemorrhaging points all year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of one of the reasons that I've actually been higher on this Chiefs offense than a lot of people in the offseason, just because they're going to have to be playing catch-up all season. So, Reeves, when you look at this Chargers offense, is there anybody that you prefer? Because to me, look, running game, passing game, wide receivers, quarterback, other than Antonio Gates, they're all in play. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, this is a team that had Marcus Peters last year, and you can argue about and, and throw shade at Marcus Peters' play last year, but he was still, he's still like a really high level cornerback in, in today's NFL compared to what the Chiefs are going to be putting on the field. And you look at last year, they allowed 12.7 yards per completion. That was second worst in the NFL. 
And when teams were throwing the ball against the Chiefs, they were targeting wide receivers. 65% of the targets against the Chiefs last year were, were two wide receivers. That was the highest rate in the league. We're going to see a lot of that again th- this season, and it's going to be the start of the year because Phillip Rivers is going to wing it around, man. I mean, I like I like the idea of taking shots on the Williamses, uh, especially where they're priced, you know, because those are guys that can easily have either a red zone touchdown or a long touchdown at Tyrell. Tyrell's sake. I mean, they're not teams that they're not guys you're, you're leaning on in cash or anything, but I think that they they have real hit potential here, especially if Keenan Allen's going to run half his routes inside. I mean, I'm not really like Kendall Fuller is a solid player last year in his second year in the NFL, but he's not a guy that's going to push me off of Keenan Allen by yeah, any He's means. just a guy. Yeah. I mean, he was good. He was good last year. I'm not like I have no shade towards him, but it's not like you have to remember with these slot corners compared to the boundary corners when you go to these these matchup charts is that typically a slot corner is not always playing against the same guy in the slot. There's some, there are multiple slot corners on the field, you know, and we're talking about dime packages. Not every pack, not every sub package is nickel. So, I mean, when you're talking about playing the slot, he's not just going to be lined up on Keenan Allen in the slot. Keenan Allen's going to be lined up in zone coverages against linebackers, against safeties. We saw that last year. He didn't even catch a pass in Kendall Fuller's direction when they played the Redskins last year, and Keenan Allen had like eight for 111 in a touchdown. You know, that when you have when you have these guys that play in the slot, you gotta remember that they just don't always apples to apples match up on guys in the slot like they would at a left corner and a right corner, guys that stick on the boundaries. So I mean I'm not gonna be pulled off of Keenan Allen by any means. He's properly properly priced to be one of the top receivers of the week. Uh so I mean yeah, like I said, it's pretty much wheels up on the Chargers offense until the Chiefs show us that they can actually stop a first team offense because they couldn't stop a second string offense in the in the preseason. Well, and then you talk, the, the, the receivers that line up in the slot, especially against the zone teams, they end up getting a lot of targets against linebackers and mm-hmm. safety. And yep. that's what makes being a slot receiver one of the most favorable positions to be in terms of production. I mean, that's one of the things that really helped Juju last, last year was they used him so much in the slot. Um, he he gets a ton of favorable matchups in there. Keenan Allen will too. Now the Chiefs are a man coverage defense, um, but they also do play a lot of cover three. Um, and you know I think Reeves is right. You know there are going to be situations, and the these the Chiefs inside linebackers are terrible in coverage. I mean they signed Anthony Hitchens to be a run stopper, but he's not a coverage player. That's why Dallas let him go, and you know tr- they tried to replace him with Leighton Vander Esch. Um, but, you know, I, I, I agree. I'm not saying, you know, I would definitely not say, like, avoid uh, Keenan Allen because of Kendall Fuller. Okay, and on the Chiefs side, I mean, Reeves, again, it, we're looking at a Chargers team, good cornerbacks. They always seem to get – it always seems to end up being a disaster with the Chargers. So, like, you know, the, the grades <laughs> on the corners are good, but, you know, they always end up giving just 30 points out of nowhere. So we had a Chiefs team, I mean, pretty tight core as far as targets go. We got Kareem Hunt. We got Travis Kelsey, and we've got Tyree Kill. I'm just, I'm kind of just not even interested in Sammy Watkins at this point. But Reeves, how are you going to attack the Chargers with this Chiefs offense? Yeah, it's very tough. I mean, I think that obviously a guy that can just stack production is Mahomes, but you're probably not going to play him a lot. I mean, you you know, both DFS sites you're only looking at the minus one turnovers, so you're not really even worried about him losing buckets of points. And he's also a guy that has some mobility. Um, I think that's just really Kareem Hunt is the only guy I'm looking at. I think you can make a case for Tyreek Hill because even last year, he, he and in the preseason, the way they moved him around, I mean, he still had found success against the Chargers a year ago for as good as they were. He caught 10 of 14 targets. He had a touchdown in each game. Nothing huge. Didn't give anything huge to him. But, I mean, they, they, they've shown that they're willing to move him around and, and make him the focal point of the passing game. Watkins looks like he's set up. It may not happen. Maybe it manifests during the season, you know, because we only have – what 60 snaps to go off of but you know maybe Watkins is another one of these guys that's just going to be a boundary guy um he ran a lot of routes in the slot in the preseason but no targets there his only targets were basically shot plays either overthrows or passes that were intercepted um so until he shows us something tangible to latch on to he's just gonna be a real tough guy to play at all uh, so, I mean, I think you make case for Tyreek Hill. I think Hunt's the guy. I mean, the Chargers are for as good as they are as a pass defense. I mean, they have basically the just about the same unit uh, back defensively, and they they just they, they struggle against the run. I mean, Evan might have some insight into why that is the case uh, with the type of defense they play. But, I mean, Kareem Hunt is going to be on the field basically, you know, 85 90% of the snaps. He's going to be using the passing game. He was in the preseason again. It's Andy Reid back. I mean, it's – 
it's a tails all the time. He's going to be a combo player. You got him for what, 203 yards of scrimmage or 183 in the two meetings a year ago. So, I mean, he's a guy I think that you could do like a, a stack with this. You just play Hunt and you play, you can play Rivers Gordon or Rivers and a receiver and go that route. And Kelsey's a guy I'm not really looking to play on any level because he has just an inverse or same history that like Philip Rivers has. And he's a guy that for some reason it's the Chargers. He's just been dreadful. I mean, he's gone over 50 yards in just two of eight games in the Chargers. He's never scored against them. He's in single digit points, six to eight of those games. Um, I just think it's, it sets up to be a Gronk or pay down week, you know, completely fully this week. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Evan, what do you think about this Chiefs offense this week? Yeah, I mean, I think it's Mahomes and uh, Tyreek Hill, and you almost want Mahomes to, like, throw a pick six on the first drive. <laughs> you know, you almost want him to just start off in, in the in the hole because then he's going to be a machine the rest of the way, and he might throw two more picks. But, you know, he also might, you know, three throw three and run for one. I mean, this guy ran for, you know, 22 rushing touchdowns over his final two seasons at uh, Texas Tech. Uh, he's a really good athlete. He comes from great athletic lineage. You know, his dad was Pat Mahomes, the long time, like twins relief pitcher. I remember I had that dude's baseball cards. Um, and uh, I mean, I think that Pat Mahomes is really going to be a fantasy machine. You know, people are like, oh, should I bench him against the Chargers in season long? Like, no, man, I, you, you got to trot him out there. I know it's a little bit concerning, but, you know, th- this defense is just going to be hemorrhaging points. Uh, all season and you know they're not going to pull him out at the end of the game even if they're down by like 20 you know they're going to leave him in the dude needs to play this is his first ever NFL start where he's going to be facing off against the the full-time first team defense he did uh the Broncos started their first team defense last year but they didn't leave those guys in uh the whole game so I mean Pat Mahomes needs experience they played him a ton in the preseason um, and they know that he needs to play. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I think he's got really, really big upside, and it might not materialize until the second half. Um, but I do think he's a really interesting tournament play. Uh, and I think you play him with Tyreek. You know, Casey Hayward has struggled with a hamstring injury. Uh, Tyreek Hill burned Casey Hayward to death last year on the 64-yard touchdown bomb. I mean, Casey Hayward, like, pulled up at the end of the – he was just like, <laughs> screw it. He was like, just go. You know, and, you win, Tyreek. Uh, yeah, you win. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so now he's struggling with the hamstring injury. So, uh, you know, I think that you, you play Mahomes and, and Tyreek. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is just – I just think there are going to be points scored. And, again, even if Kansas City doesn't keep it close, they're still going to be airing out a lot of the games. I like I, – I think Mahomes is really interesting as a tournament dart, especially as a guy who runs and throws it deep. I mean, you don't need a lot to happen when those are the things you're looking at with a guy like Patrick Mahomes. All right, let's talk some of our other favorite quarterbacks because there are a lot of guys that are priced up this week, Reeves. we got Brady at Houston, Ben at Cleveland, Breeze at Tampa. Actually, I'll tell you what, before we do that, I mentioned Ben at Cleveland. Evan, you want to give us your take on uh, this Le'Veon Bell situation? It's a, uh, it's, I mean, it's a mess. Yeah, I mean, I, he, I think that the agent is, like, using him um, to get his name out there. I mean, this is a bad decision, like – like you don't you don't bet on yourself when you're a running back with a history of suspensions and a history of major injuries and you know you play the least valuable position on the field um you know and you're giving up almost a million dollars per game a million dollars guaranteed per game you know th- this is not a good decision by the player or by the agent i usually side with the player uh in in almost every situation like this but this is a really bad decision by him. Uh, and, you know, I, one thing I looked at was um, the differences uh, in Ben and, um, and uh, Antonio Brown's production when Le'Veon is out and they go, they skyrocket, dude. Like yeah. Antonio mm-hmm. Brown, there's a decent sample. I mean, it's like a 12 game sample. 16. Um, 16. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If you include his rookie year. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I was just looking last three years, but um, I mean, you know, Reeves is including the rookie year, man. Yeah. Come on. Antonio Brown averages 91 yards per game when Le'Veon is in and 135 yards per game when <laughs> Le'Veon is out. That is just stupid. Uh, and Ben goes from like 275 yards to like 331 yards. So, uh, you know, the, the, our concern in this game is going to be number one, the one o'clock Eastern time start 
for Pittsburgh on the road, as you know, Reeves has outlined, you know, very well uh, over the last couple of years in the, the pen- potential of high winds, uh, because it looks like it's going to be windy and maybe even rainy uh, in Cleveland on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, I even, I'll tell you what, I mean, we're kind of talking about quarterbacks and like with Ben, even if, you know, even if it's rainy, even if the game total ends up under 40, Reeves, I could still see Ben going for 300 and a couple touchdowns because I just don't see James Conner as a guy who's they're going to give 25 touches to. Reeves, what do you think about Ben this week? I don't know. I totally, totally believe that they are going to give James Conner a bunch of touches. Really? Okay. Yeah. um, I mean, you look at when Le'Veon's missed time. I mean, the running back, the running back one has averaged 20.8 touches per game in those games. I know, and a lot of those came from the 14 of those 18 game sample have come from a 32, 33-year-old running back that we thought was washed out of the league in D'Angelo Williams at the time he went there. This is if – if you remember, listen, James Conner was, as a sophomore at Pitt, was a monster. I mean, he had, he had 1,800 yards of scrimmage and 26 touchdowns. Week one of the fall – his junior season, he tears his MCL after having, like, 75 to 80 yards on, like, a terrible offense. And after he goes through the MCL surgery, he gets the Hodgkin's lymphoma. And he never recovers from that. And if you look at him now physically, what he looked like this preseason compared to what he looked like as a rookie, what he did that senior season at Pitt, I mean, it's a totally different guy. He looks like he did as a sophomore. Um, and he was beastly. That week three preseason game when the first team was on the field, he had every running back carry. He had three targets with 30 receiving yards. Um, I think totally they're comfortable giving him a bunch of targets. And when you look at what Ben and the Steelers team has done, uh, on the road, early starts over the past five years. They have uh, been under. The under in the game has hit 18 of 22 times. Uh, over that span, Ben Roethlisberger has been a top 10 fantasy quarterback in just two of those 21 games. He's thrown more than two touchdown passes in just five of those games. And five of those starts have come in Cleveland, where he's thrown just five touchdowns total and had under seven yards per pass attempt. The only dude that hasn't been like phased by any type of split for the Steelers has been Antonio Brown over like the the course of time um Ben's not gonna be a guy I'm gonna be looking at I don't think that this game is a shootout um I think it's gonna be I, I think you can make an argument for, like when you look at the Browns personnel I think this is a game that's gonna be you know in the low 20s probably back and forth Browns yeah I kind of win. right uh, you really you're calling the Browns win yeah uh oh look at him he's like yeah yeah Car- Carlos Hyde dude yeah, Carlos Hyde, Hyde is, he's Hyde's a sneaky off. guy this week they, they should have an incredible running game. I mean, you know, Sashi built this interior offensive line uh, that is just going to, you know, be clearing massive holes. Um, the Steelers' defense fell off a cliff, especially against the run after losing Ryan Shazier. They have no speed on the second level. Carlos Hyde was a man among boys in the preseason. Uh, what do you have, 17 for 108 and a touchdown? He looked awesome, um, you know, even beyond the stats. He's not going to give us probably any receiving production, um, you know, but I would take like two or three catches from him. Uh, but I think that he can can wreck. I think he's an awesome play on FanDuel, and I really think that the Browns can win this game. And Tyrod Taylor being the dual threat, you know, that can sp- that can spike your, your running game efficiency as well. Um, so there are just so many things working in favor of this running game. Um, and I think that Carlos, I mean, Carlos, like Nick Chubb, who was an awesome player at Georgia, he didn't even challenge Carlos Hyde in the preseason. Oh, like, he no. wasn't even close. Uh, and I think that Carlos Hyde can have an awesome year back home uh, in, you know, Ohio. He played at Ohio State. We got, you know, the narratives cooking. Uh, but we also got, <laughs> we also got the, the data-backed reasoning. Um, and I think <laughs> Carlos Hyde can start off really hot. I have a, Carlos Hyde is not on my radar, not at all this week. So that's it's interesting. Reeves, he had a quarter fifty nine on Fanduel and forty five on DK. I mean, right, that is pretty cheap. I mean, it's, it's, it's Carlos. He's Hyde. the same price as Connor on DK. I like that. I like. I mean, if you think Cleveland's going to win, you so definitely better be playing Hyde. If you're going to, if you're, if you're pivoting directly to Connor with this news, like he's a direct pivot off Connor. <laughs> that's so sick it's it, it's funny because connor might be 20 percent, whereas high to be it's what? gonna be hard not to play connor on FanDuel. i'm gonna be honest like it's gonna be hard not to i, I think i'm gonna have him on every team probably he's wow. 5k right. he's 5k he's probably gonna get 20 catches or 20 touches he's probably gonna catch 
four to six passes. It's going to be really hard not to play him. All right. I, and the weather's going to, and the weather, the weather might set up for him to be a mutter. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. I see, I see what you're saying. And okay. So, uh, Reeves, any other quarterbacks we need to touch on since we just totally went off the rails there as we tend to do sometimes? Tyrod was the guy I had. And then if you're playing Thursday through Monday, I mean, I don't think you, you can overlook Jared Goff, man. Uh, you look what Jared Goff did and what they were the highest scoring team on the road. And when Jared Goff particularly got his fantasy production was against like neon light defenses that were just awful. He, four of his six QB one performances came against teams that are 25th or lower in passing points allowed entering the matchup last year. The Raiders are 26. The Raiders have a, just a dreadful defense. I mean, this David are playing five new players out of the front seven. Like they're not going to have much of a pass rush either. Um, I mean, it's it's going to be a thing where you can only play him Thursday through Monday because you're not going to get that that Monday night slate. He'll be he'll be highly owned as well as everyone in those. Everyone tangible will be highly owned in that <laughs> that Monday night slate, uh, especially with the Jets being involved. Uh, but <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, golf golf's going to shred. Man. I think golf's going to be like a top like six eight quarterback this week. Yeah, and it's just going to be totally unowned as. Well, all right, let's go on to running backs. We've already talked about kind of some of the chief guys. We talked a little bit about James White. We talked a little bit about James Conner. But, Evan, the top, there are so many good names. I'm just going to read off these names to you. Uh, David Johnson at home against Washington. Kamara at home against Tampa. Fournette at the Giants. Hunt at the Chargers. Gordon versus Kansas City. McCaffrey against Dallas. Alex Collins, who I know we are, we're all going to love Alex Collins on the show, at home against Buffalo. Like, Evan, how do we even begin to break down these guys? My favorite's Kamara, but, I mean, it's really tough to go wrong up here. Yeah, um, I don't know. I haven't started building any lineups yet, but I'm with you. I mean, as I'm, you know, writing my article and doing my research, I'm thinking like, oh, my God, I love that RB. I love that RB. Mm -hmm. And the guys that stood out to me, um, and this is not to slight any of those other guys because I love guys like McCaffrey, but the the guys that stood out to me were David Johnson and Kamara. Um, Mm -hmm. David Johnson uh, at home in a game that I think that the Cardinals can win, and I don't think the Cardinals can win very many games. Um, but they, I think they can win this game against the Redskins. Uh, the Redskins are 0-4 in week one games under Jay Gruden. Um, Mike Upati in the preseason didn't play a lot, but when he was out there and he missed, I think, almost all of last season, um, he was a beast in the preseason. And that's a dude who can be like a legit difference maker on an offensive line that is desperate for anybody that can block. Um you know, I, I, this is the Redskins are like a run funnel because they do have a good pass defense. They were number six in pass defense DVOA last year. They were 29th against the run. Really no reason to think they're going to get better uh, against the run. And Sam Bradford just all day long should be dumping off to DJ and, and uh, Larry Fitzgerald. And then Alvin Kamara, first of all, he ripped the Bucks twice last year. 16 touches for 152 yards and, and two touchdowns, 15 touches for 128 in a touchdown. Um, you know, the Saints cut Jonathan Williams, okay? They cut Boston Scott. Mark Ingram is on suspension. The only back they have behind him right now is Mike Gillisley, who is going to enter this opener with seven days to learn the offense. I mean, he ain't going to play. You know, I mean, maybe he'll get a few carries between the tackles, you know, just when Alvin Kamara needs a breather. But um, I think Alvin Kamara is going to get 20-plus touches here. I mean, I don't really see any reason why he wouldn't. And I think a lot of them can come in the passing game. I really like Drew Brees this week. And I, people are going to be off him because they're going to be like, he ain't going to get the volume. But you know what? The Saints don't have Mark Ingram. Uh, they don't have that, like, ground and pound back. Alvin Kamara is very much more of a, a receiving-oriented back. He had 100 targets last year Um, and I think they can attack this Buccaneers pass defense with the pass just from a game plan standpoint and they're not going to be putting the ball in Alvin Kamara's belly like you know 25 times Um, you know and Drew Brees can throw touchdown passes to to Alvin Kamara Um, and you look at the the Bucs secondary it's straight trash I mean Brent Grimes is 35 uh, they cut Keith Tandy, so they're going to be starting Chris Conti, who's always the guy like oh, yeah. tra- trailing behind deep touchdowns. Um, you know, he's like, <laughs> like kind of in the picture. You know, Vernon um, Hargreaves has been a bust in the slot. Michael Thomas just rips people in the slot, um, and then uh, Carlton Davis is their other starting corner. He's a rookie, so 
I mean, I, I think that the game plan should be to light up the Buccaneers with the passing game. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. And I don't think people are going to pay up for Breeze. There's just so many other guys you want to pay up for. I don't think people are going to pay up for Breeze. I think Kamara will be popular, but sometimes you just got to eat the chalk. Reeps, do you have a favorite running back not named Kamara? Because I think I think he's both Evan and I's favorite. Is he your favorite as well? Yeah, Kamara's one. I love DJ. I've been jamming DJ into a lot of lineups. I mean, you said you anytime you get these dual these dual backs, especially in games where you think that they actually ha, are going to put up points, to Kamara you always do. But this is a game like wherever I think that I mean I would probably pick Arizona to win this game outright. I know it is just to pick them, um, but I would I would pick them to this circle. This would be one of the games they've won. Not only have they the Redskins not even won in any of the season openers against with, with Jay Gruden. They haven't even covered in any of those games. So, I mean, so, I mean, this is a team and, and what the, what the Cardinals set up to want to do on offense feeds into what the Redskins are like bad at, you know, they're not going to be trying to pump targets to Chad Williams on the outside against Josh Norman, you know, that's not going to happen. It's going to be Larry Fitz getting a bunch of targets on the Island of Dr. Moreau it's going to be David Johnson out of the backfield on these linebackers. And it's going to be 3K on DraftKings, Ricky Seals-Jones, uh, you know, is going to is gonna smash, man. I mean, I, I like I look at Ricky Seals-Jones, I'm not playing Gronk. I mean, I'm going straight to that 3K well, and I'm going right to Ricky Seals-Jones. I mean, we know about the hyper-efficiency he had last year, um, but he needed snaps. You know, it doesn't mean anything if you ain't playing. You get a ball efficiency roll if you're not playing. He played 87% of snaps with Sam Bradford uh, this preseason. They have no one afterwards. Christian Kirk's a pure slot guy. He's not taking Larry Fitzgerald's job. That's why they're going to run out Chad Williams in the boundary. Um, and Washington is another one of these teams that haven't changed their linebacking core, and they were dreadful last year defending tight ends, and not just for spike weeks. I mean, they allowed uh, 10 different tight ends to catch four or more passes, seven to catch five or more, 50 or more receiving yards a game to eight tight ends, uh, eight different tight ends to catch a touchdown. Uh, I, I think it's if we're gonna go go dirt cheap at tight end, I mean, Ricky Seals Jones is the guy um, I'm circling. I know you asked me about a running back, but it's it's Alex Collins is the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And by the way, Alex Collins, the guy who's like a million point favorite. McCaffrey on DK looks really dope too, because the Cowboys are going to be playing Jalen Smith, who was one of the worst draft picks I think of the past the past decade at the top of that second round uh, three years ago. He's got one leg. Uh, he's going to be running around at Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> Uh, the Cowboys oh, are 28. Do not tell the Cowboys fans that. Do not dude, tell Gale, the Cowboys fans that. Dude. A lot of people pick on the Cowboys are taking Zeke over Ramsey, you know, from like a this game theory perspective. Way, this pick was the, even worse. The Jalen, the Jalen Smith pick at the top of the second round, when the dude basically had to get his leg cut off, was the most one of the. the, the it was such an egregious draft pick. That's too good. All right, let's talk about some wide receivers. We already talked about Antonio Brown. We like him. DeAndre Hopkins not has not had a lot of success against New England. We talked about Keenan Allen. talked about AJ. I mean, Evan, we've already talked about a lot of these plays. Who are some of you guys that we haven't maybe talked about that you like? Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, Vikings we, we onslaught. Everything, man. Vikings onslaught. Oh, you're on the Vikings onslaught, and so you're on Thielen. I think you can play Thielen and Diggs in a tournament line together with Cousins. D- Diggs is going to work Richard oh, Sherman. I cannot wait. Absolutely. <laughs> I can't wait. I mean, Richard Sherman's just – he's not even just a guy. He's worse than just a guy at this, this point. This is another guy coming off a torn Achilles, dude. At, at age 30, he struggled with a hamstring injury all camp. Apparently, he was just getting dusted in training camp. And even in his prime – you know, Richard, like Stefan Diggs would give a guy like, you know, yeah. Stefan Diggs would give Richard Sherman fits even in his prime. Um, and now he's catching him, you know, as a late career player. I mean, this is a great matchup for Stefan Diggs. He, he, and he always gets loose in early in the season, man. I mean, <laughs> his, his early season splits are, are real, real strong. Anybody else you want to talk about, Reeves? No, I like all those guys. Uh, yeah, like I said, Vikings. I love Michael Thomas, too. And uh, I think the chalk guy that will definitely be Keelan Cole everywhere. Like he's min priced on FanDuel, and then oh I think he's thirty eight on DK. So I mean, he's gonna be the he's gonna be the jamming option on uh, FanDuel for sure at min price. Probably on DK I mean, as well. I have problems with guys like Keelan Cole who are so boomer bust when they're gonna be that popular. But I, I get it. I, I really do get it. But I mean, they're. I, I think he's more of a cash a cash game jamman than a tournament jamman, which is a weird thing to say about somebody like Keelan Cole. You know, well, I mean, this, I mean, this is the guy yeah. the last the last six weeks of the season led the NFL in receiving yardage. No, I, I mean, no, I know, I know. It's just <laughs> it was, 
golly, just such a big play. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. And of course, he's going to be really popular. So we'll have to see what happens. But uh, it's been a lot of fun, guys. It's good to be back. It is good to be back. Evan, any last thoughts on the slate for you, Evan? No, man. No, I got I to gotta get some more writing done tonight. <laughs> what, what's your schedule like this week, buddy? These these first three weeks are just hell, man. I, I mean, he's I, already I, lost it. I, I need a nap. I've needed a nap since, <laughs> like Monday. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll get them out of the way. It's, and it starts to get a lot easier when, when we have buys that, you know, life fits <laughs> All right, Reeves, any last thoughts for you? No, man, just good luck. This is when the snow globe gets shaken. You know, we're, we'll be back here, you know, a week from now talking about how all these takes were awful. <laughs> all right, <laughs> we got to go, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks to Reeves for joining me. I'm Eric Crane. Thanks for tuning in to the DFS Pick 6 over here on Rotogrind. We'll see you guys later. Peace. Peace.